Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're doing another bonus episode for 2021. I'm your host Marcus and joining me today as always are the homies. First up we have Dante. How's it going guys? Pretty good. And last but not least we have the homie Trevor. Tell me more, tell me more. (laughs) Um, This was Trevor's choice. So I'll let him introduce the game, and he can uh, handle the intro as well. Okay, so for our bonus game this month, we decided to play Greece, And Greece is a platform adventure game by Spanish developer Nomada Studio, and published by Devolver Digital. And Devolver is probably... Um, familiar um, because we've played a few other games that were published by Devolver um, for the podcast, including Carrion, Katana Zero, Left Rousers, Hotline Miami, and I believe all of us on this episode have played Fall Guys together. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So, so the intro will probably be a little be short. short. Um, uh, I think I did a little bit more research on the people... Um, who created the studio, um, since this is the only game they've released. But, but Greece was, was developed it? by Nomada Studio, a Barcelona-based company founded in 2016, which was formed after a chance meeting between two Ubisoft employees, Roger Mendoza and Adrian Cuavis, um, and artist Conrad Rosette. I believe it's, I don't know if it's Rosette or Rosé. Uh, Marcus, you know if the T is silent. How's it spelled? Can you just type it in? R-O-S-E-T I would say Rosette Um, So like I said, the studio doesn't have a lot of history Um, They were formed in 2016 However, um, the three um, main founders uh, Roger Mendoza um, As well as Adrian Cuevas um, uh, Worked at um, Ubisoft Montreal As well as Ubisoft Barcelona uh, Roger Mendoza worked on Assassin's Creed 3, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag, Rainbow Six Siege, and Assassin's Creed Syndicate Jack the Ripper, which was the DLC. And then Adrian Cuevas uh, worked on Far Cry 3, Buzz the Ultimate Music Quiz, Hitman 2016, uh, which hey. we played for the podcast, and Rainbow Six Siege as well. Um, and I believe um, it was after Rainbow Six Siege where they made their exit from Ubisoft Barcelona um, because that came out in what 2016 and then they formed the studio in 2016 and then Rosette um, uh, upon meeting uh, the other two developers uh, mentioned that he was interested in working on video games and at the time the two were interested in creating an independent game but lacked the artistic skills so the three decided to form Nomada Studios, and um, Conrad Rosette is, like I said, he's an artist, and he has a website. I looked at his portfolio, and his art style, of course, is, you know, all very similar to um, Greece. Um, a lot of his works um, are focused on the female figure. And have a very like watercolor look to them uh, with a lot of line art. Um, so, just more on development. Intending the game to be a mix of Journey and Ori in the Blind Forest, the game was developed 
the game was designed with accessibility in mind. As such, there are no fail states, a decision that proved to be challenging. Mendoza has described their approach as, if there's a puzzle, you can pop, probably finish it at the second or third try. When the puzzle is more complicated, we give the players options. Partway through development, the team consulted with a psychologist about the game's narrative themes of grief and depression, resulting in gameplay decisions to echo the turmoil of the main character. An example of this is how at the beginning of the game, the player is unable to jump, which helps reinforce the notion that something is wrong with this girl. The art style created some unique problems for the developers. Since the game become, becomes more lively as players progress, designing the early areas in an appealing way proved challenging. The team eventually solved this problem by taking inspiration from Iwagumi-style aquariums. And I looked these up too. These are these are actually pretty cool. They're like, uh, I think they were called like aquascapes or something like that. But they're basically like... Um, um, like landscapes that are made for like terrariums or aquariums. Okay. Um, but another challenging issue was readability, which resulted in several level design and camera angle tweaks during development. Initially, the main character's dress was going to change as more colors became unlocked. However, this eventually proved impractical due partly to the camera angles. And the game's title refers to the to the name of the protagonist as well as the Spanish word for the color gray. And that is it for the development. Like I said, this is their only game, so I I didn't see any projects that they're currently working on. Um and this was developed uh or released in um was it 2016 or 2017? I thought it was earlier than that. I feel like this is like a 2019 that's right. They formed the studio in 2016. Sorry. So it was released on... Let me see, because I don't think I listed the platforms. Um, Microsoft Windows and Nintendo Switch, December 2018. And then also iOS 2019 and PS4 in 2019 as well. And Android in 2020. So it's on quite a few platforms. Get that money. And I chose this game because um, it's I, a Trevor I, ass Trevor game. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I like I like indie games like this um, that focus a lot of attention on one specific thing um, and you know try to do it very well. And of course, this game received a lot of um, positive reception for its art style, uh, which has a very painterly. Um, uh, watercolor look to it um, it actually reminded me of um, ironically because two of the developers worked at Ubisoft but it reminded me of the UB framework um, system um, that I've, I've been trying to get us to play um, Child of Light as well as Valiant Hearts um, both of those games use it but UB framework um, is is basically it looks like the developers take the art directly off the page and put it into the game. And, you know, that's exactly how this game looks as well. Um, so that was another reason why I wanted to play this game. Is it called UB Frameworks or UB Art? I thought it was UB Art. Um, UB Art Framework. Because I think they used, um, uh, they made a few Rayman games with it as well. But, 
Um, but yeah, that is it for the intro. And like Marcus said, it's a, a Trevor as Trevor game. It, you know, it touches on um, a few, um, a few things such as like grief and depression and and all that. So I thought it'd be something nice for us to talk about. Hell yeah, we love grief. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what did you end up playing it on? I played it on PC. Um, this is actually my second playthrough. Um, I played it back in 2019, or actually, uh, no, 2020, because it was basically almost exactly a year ago from the original time I played it. Um, so I played it on PC again. Sure. And what about you, Dante? I played it on PC. Okay. okay. And I did as well. So yeah, I'm guessing all you guys played with GamePad. Yep. I was very very tempted to get it on Switch just to replay it, but it didn't go on sale, so... (laughs) I like it, but I love it. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, this is a Trevor-ass Trevor game. Can you you explain, I guess, what we mean when we say that? So, I have an affinity for indie games. I've, I've played a lot of them. Um, usually when I play one indie game, I try to look up, you know, what are some similar games to it. Um, so I guess that's become like a, a trope for me, um, with these types of games, but usually, um, they're kind of simplistic in nature. Um, a little narrative driven, um, and usually touch on like certain topics, um, like depression or um, what's another um, game bonus game uh, that we played? Uh, I think Luca was another one of yeah. yours and uh, Forgotten Brothers, Man, A Tale Brothers. of Two Sons, yeah, yeah. dealing yeah. with loss and, and Forgotten War. Man, which yeah. is Marcus's grief. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even games like Papa EO, I think. Um, yeah, we, yeah, that and Celeste were would, games that. Would be kind like of, something I would I would play like mm-hmm. even if it was outside of the podcast. I think like what I mean when I say that is definitely like has some type of um, subject matter that is trying to tackle. Another one I just thought of was Gorogoa, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, gardens between. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, like their plat like adventure platformer games typically is what Trevor goes to and there is usually some sort of puzzle element um and like yeah like this this game in and and, and usually they have like an a unique like art style where it's not like the run of the mill like it usually has something like i mean just kind of naming some of the games we were talking about gora gora has a very unique look to it and, and as far as the influences that it had um, when we played um, your other game, uh, I mean, obviously, Azura's Wrath has a look. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Luca definitely had a look. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, so I, you, they're, they're, this checks like all the boxes. <laughs> um, and I, I think this game. I have to disagree. Wait, what'd you say, Dante? I said I have to disagree. Okay, well, what do you disagree with? The box with? Um, that it didn't check was this one actually kind of plays well. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to act like we didn't play Shinmu this year. 
That was your choice, not mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think this one, like, I think the, the the most striking thing for me, like, just right off the bat, was like, I thought this game was gorgeous. Like, it was very, very, very striking, and I just really, really love the uh, watercolor aesthetic that the game had. I, I really, like... This is definitely one of those games, I think I said this before, uh, I'm going to say it again, like, similar with Sayonara, where it's, like, basically, at any point, if you pause the game and could, like, remove the hood or whatever, just the, you you would have, like, a a, a screenshot worthy, uh, you know, to put on your desktop, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like this game was just all about its, uh, its environment it's just yeah yeah, the aesthetic and like and even even with the just the environments too like um you're you're traversing across this world and there's a lot of different like um terrain like you're you're in a desert in the beginning and then later on you're in like a uh forest kind of like an abstract kind of forest and then then you're like in this underwater like cave and then you're in this like uh, mirror kind of world where everything is uh, reflected, and I don't know. I just I, I I couldn't stop looking at this game. And I think and, that goes to um, like the inspiration from the Iwagumi aquariums um, because mm-hmm. it's like very layered, and to almost where like you know they basically just created a painting for the background. And every every frame um, where you move, um, like where you're scrolling from side to side in the game, is like a slice of that, you know, that artwork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I liked it too that it wasn't it wasn't too real. It wasn't realistic in a in a like you know obviously we're playing a video game, but like like things in it were abstracted. So like the the tops of trees were like blocks. You know, and they had mm-hmm. like these mushroom creatures and like things in there. There was like parallels to like stuff in, in, in our world. Like they had apples, they had mushrooms, they had fish. But just like some of the things is just like, oh, this like this tree is basically, you know, it has the stump. But then the top of the tree is like it, it forms into a, a rectangle mm-hmm. or like a block. And like I, I really dug that. Um they had a lot of like floating stone structures in the desert world that I thought looked really cool. Um, uh, included some, I mean, honestly, like that first world was like they had like levers and like fans and things, so it was almost kind of like steampunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even like the girl, like you know, like I, I thought, like, oh, this is really weird because you see this girl and like her face, especially I, I think it's the girl from the cover is uh of the 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 quote-unquote box art Mm -hmm. and like it's face looks beautiful because you know it's like a watercolor but then you see her and when you're moving her and her arms and legs are just like black lines Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so like i think i I really just really really dug how everything in this game was stylized i really really dug it yeah it's definitely um it gives you a very Ori-esque vibe, if anybody's played Ori of the Blind Forest, or Ori of the Ori and the Will of the Wisp, where everything's hand-drawn and just very meticulously animated, and the designs are all, like, they're cohesive, but they're also unique in a lot of ways. 
and Dante, I think you own this art book as well, but the um, the Final Fantasy art book, I think it's called The Sky. Yes. You have that one? Have that one. This game this really game reminded, reminded me of, me of that, that book. book. Just yeah, like I can the, see that. Just the, the whimsicalness of it. Um, because there are a lot of instances where the character is falling. And, you know, of course, that's one of the um, the topics that it touches on is, um, like, with depression and loss, um, you know, she's constantly falling through the world. Um, and, I mean, it is just, like, the animation um, along with, like, her dress um, when she's falling is, you know, it doesn't even seem like a cutscene. It's just... Like it's it's very seamless with the gameplay. Yeah, it it seems like it could have totally been like, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, like um, a really really good commercial interstitial for like some company talking about depression or something. In a lot of cases, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The other thing I really really like too is like we kind of I think Trevor alluded to the game name Greece is what the Spanish word for gray. And so, like, one of the things they do in this game is in that first section when you first get control of the character, you're just playing in a black and white world. And as, um, and Trevor's kind of touched on it, like, the game um, goes through, I believe it's the five, mm-hmm. five stages of grief, yep. I believe. And um, there's, like, they do that by, when you're in a world, it introduces a color. So, like, the first world is the desert world and it's red is the color so what happens is you went from being in a black and white world to like a world that has tones of red in it and um uh then um the game automatically looks and feels different when when you're playing in that and then the next world the second color when you're in the forest it adds green so then now you're having you know, you still have the black and white, but then you also have some red and some green coming in. And then, it, you know, it just keeps building from that. So by the time you're at the end, it's introduced red, green, blue, and yellow. And you basically are playing in a fully realized, like, colorful... Not, I won't say, like, super colorful, but, like, it was definitely, like, vibrant. And, and, mm-hmm. and especially in comparison to how it was when you were playing on the first in the black and white era and even in that first world as she's basically, you know, coming to terms and getting over her grief. So I really, really dug that. The only thing I was kind of, I don't know, I'm I'm still kind of um, on the fence about it is how they, they don't necessarily tell you like, these are the five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Other than like they, there are, um, there are achievements or like hidden achievements that you can get throughout the game. Like, um, in the first section, you find yourself in a room like full of these statues and there are statues like all throughout the game. Like there, there are these female statues and most of them are showing like a hand, um, being, you know, held outwards. Um, and you kind of have to find your way into the palm of the hand. And, but, in one section at the beginning of the game you're in a room full of these statues and you can go through and actually smash them it's after you receive your first ability which allows you to turn into a like a heavy block and you do the um like the kirby um just basically the the (laughs) slam smash yeah 
Um, and you, if you do that throughout this room and destroy all the statues before leaving, um, you know, it'll unlock the, the achievement for anger. Um, the same thing with a few other, um, achievements, um, where it will actually tell you which stage of grief that you're in. But, um, but yeah, it, it's kind of like a marker for each of the, um, each of the abilities that you unlock as well, um, which stage of grief that you're in, mm-hmm. um, because the you know, like the whole time, I don't know, it's, it, it's like a really good um, um, analogy, um, like the first stage being in denial, like you're in the desert, um, and it's it's like you become a block, so you're basically holding yourself back, um, you know, it's, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's very um, clever, um, the analogies that they, they try to portray in the game you want to go ahead and talk about the I guess the other ones too the other abilities you get sure um so let me see the first one is where you turn into the block uh trying to think is the second one the double jump yep um so you get that and you're able to reach higher um the third ability is where you can jump and use, they're like little birds or maybe flower petals. I couldn't really tell. Um, but each one kind of like gives you a boost. Um, or actually, did I skip one? Did I sk- skip I thought, the, yeah, um, I thought it was swimming. The swimming one, yeah. Um, um, or you can basically dive underwater and you can actually, um, uh, I guess, boost yourself underwater as well and to boost yourself out of the water and then you get that along with the uh uh the next one which is the um the one with the flower petals or the birds i think they're flower petals because they are in the vases i thought i thought they were i read them i mean not that you're wrong but i read them as butterflies or flower petals. yeah it could be butterflies too um and there are red ones, and then later on in the game, there are some yellow ones that boost you even higher. Um, but the red ones kind of boost you up, um, you know, a moderate amount. Let me see. And then the last one that you get is the ability to sing. Um, throughout the entire game, I don't think we mentioned this, but you don't have a voice. And I guess that's a part of uh, the stages of grief as well, because it's, you know, kind of taking your way, away your ability to talk about it um which is the analogy there um and so you're you're basically silent throughout the whole game until you get to the end and once you regain your voice uh you're able to sing and that allows you to um awaken a few things um like there are flowers throughout the environment on the final level the um let me see what else um it lights up the, the stage yeah there are a couple of mechanical things that you can awaken. Um, not too many, though. I think maybe two or three um, that kind of help you traverse the level. That one is supposed to, at least the five stages of grief, I have them up. So you said the first one you get, uh, the first one is denial, which is when you're in the black and white world. And the second one is anger, which is when you're in that red world. And that's when you're like, can break those stones or those statues you were talking about as the heavy block. And then the third one is bargaining, which I don't know how that ties into. <laughs> um, is that the one where you're in the forest? 
Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one is depression, and that's when you're in the swimming one. And I know that one. I get. I would say. I guess that is the darkest or yeah. most depressing stage because that one. It something that I really love because I don't know if they were the first ones to do it, but shout out to Donkey Kong Country, uh, Donkey Kong Country uh, Returns for having those sick ass silhouette stages. Because I love it when any game does that. And so this game, that Underwater World, it just gave me heavy vibes of the silhouette styles. A lot of the levels in this game, honestly. But the Underworld one in particular gave me a lot of like silhouette Donkey Kong level vibes. Um, I, I, that was definitely my favorite level. Um, just the aesthetic. And that one is when you're running away from the... Uh, you're descending into the darkness. You know, The further deeper in the water you get. And that's when you come across that eel creature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because I can only I keep thinking of like the Kendrick Lamar sinking into a deep depression <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, the fifth stage which is when you get the uh, singing ability you know your voice returns like Trevor said is acceptance which makes sense so the only one I don't quite understand is the bargaining one I don't understand how that correlates I remember though one of the I, things- I guess if go ahead if I was going to make at least a loose comparison. Like, uh, I might as well backtrack a little bit and say that I didn't even know, like, explicitly that the game said that it was about the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of my, I guess, interpretations could be definitely off based on that. But you're at least bargaining with the um, little apple guy. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. There's like a mushroom kind of creature that you feed him an apple from the tree that he can't reach. And then he starts following you, and then later on you can uh, go into his... He lives underground with other creatures that look like him, and you can um, go down there and he'll like gift you something for being kind to him or whatever. So I guess that is the... I guess that's what bargaining is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys have a standout world for that you enjoyed? I would definitely say the... Um, probably like the steampunk world, the first one. Yeah, just okay. like because of the design of it. Um, I think I like the, um, I don't know. There are aspects of the um, the fourth one, the depression world. Um, there are aspects of it I liked a, a lot more, but just the design of the like the desert steampunk mm-hmm. area. Um, I thought was really cool with the mechanical um, windmills or you know whatever they are, yeah. Um, yeah. As well as the um, the, uh, the little rock creatures that can inhabit the um, uh, different rocks. Like there's one uh, like environmental puzzle that you have to do where um, you smash up one rock that a little creature is hiding in so that it can go to another rock. And, and move it out of your way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, even though I like the creatures in the um, in the forest world a lot more, but um, you know the creature, the rock creatures are pretty cool. What about you, Dante? I don't think I really had like a standout world per se. I thought the game was pretty consistent. Yeah, I I I liked the way levels looked. 
Like, I, I echo what you said, Trevor. I really did like the steampunk elements of the first world. And I did feel like that first world had the most, like, almost like gameplay in it. <laughs> because, like, the ability or the thing that you got, I felt like... I, I, I had, like, the most amount of, like, puzzle, I would say. At least it felt like that to me. I felt like the puzzles were pretty evenly. Yeah, they're they're a little sparse, but I think they are evenly spread out. And um, King's Own eighty seven um, says the um, he enjoyed the water stage. Hell yeah, that's a good level. I I, I yeah, I, the water the water stuff was just it was just really cool. I, I I like I said that that one was the the one where I was most like just looking at what was going on in the background and just like so it definitely was my my aesthetic my vibe. Um, and then uh, I guess. The other mood setting thing I would say is that I, there, no bangers, but I thought the, I really did enjoy the music in this game. This is like one of those times where like normally for me in these type of games, like I'm not really paying attention to the music or it's not really doing a lot for me. But like, I felt like the movie, the, the, the music in this game caught me off guard in a good way. And I was like, oh, like they actually... This song has some bounce to it, or this, you know, like I'm noticing it, and because I feel like a lot of times in Trevor games, the music is <laughs> it's there. <laughs> like I said, like especially with indie games, usually they focus their budget or their their talents on one specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh wait, 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 wait! No, you're not gonna disrespect the soundtrack in this game. We're not like we're they not, didn't not. put budget. Oh, no, 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 he's like talking about like it's low budget though. <laughs> No, no, I'm saying with indie games, they, they focus their budget more. Like, he's, he's trying to give an excuse for why the other games of his didn't have good music. Kind of. Is that where you're going? <laughs> kind of. Because it, it made it sound like you're going to say, like, oh, they put all of it into the art and kind of like... Oh, no, not at all. So, okay, um, just making sure. No, I'm... I was about to say, like, the more, way more. the music crescendos in yes. certain scenes yes. in this game yeah, it's very is incredible. yes. Yeah, actually, this is, like, right up Dante's alley as far as, like, this type of music, too, I feel like, in the games he likes. Because this, would you say, does, does it does it remind you of any other games that you like, Dante? Because I, I, I have a game in mind, but I wasn't sure, because you know it way better than I do. Um, there are some, I don't know why I thought there were some parallels to Sayonara Wild Hearts. It wasn't, like... This music obviously isn't pop, but yeah. just the way the music was like a very focal part, almost as much as the art, mm-hmm. maybe even more in a lot of cases. Like the scene that I keep thinking about is there's a scene where this bird is kind of like harassing you, and you have to turn into a block. You have to use your like heavy form or whatever to um, get through it. And I just very specifically remember the music there, just like it would get very loud when the bird was like trying to blow you over and then there would be a calm right afterwards after um i guess he stopped blowing the coast was clear you could move forward just easily and the the game does a really good job in its design um using the music to i guess um speak to the player and say hey Here's the time to move. Here's the time to do something. Here's something of significance or importance. So there's there's having a soundtrack, and then there's also audio design. This game has both of those. Yeah, yeah. 
I was going to say the game I was thinking of, and I guess you weren't here when we played it, was Celeste in a sense. Where, like, I feel like Celeste had really good, like, moments where music was soaring or, like, music was matching the action that was going on on the screen as you're climbing the mountain. Like, I feel like the music kind of did something to give some pep, you know, put right. some pep. It, it literally, ele- it pushed you over in Celeste in a lot of ways where it was just yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And that I, was part of your climb. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I would feel like personally, like the, the Celeste music I would listen to on its own outside of this playing the game. But I felt like with this thing, I'd, I'd have to experience them together. Like, I think the the music itself is good enough to listen on its own, but like, I, I want the two things together. Like it would this be more satisfying. Very for me. much reminds me of Journey, where um, yes, <laughs> you know, like it might not be for everybody, but I feel like people should at least respect it, even if they don't like it. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like um, not to bring up Giant Bomb again, but like never heard of <laughs> the Journey. It was a very um, coveted or contested music nomination choice where people are like I can't believe you guys didn't do this and they're like well it's just really not our type of music even though like Patrick one of the people on the podcast at times like you guys are idiots and yeah he was he was 100% right yeah it's like people can say like I I can respect it even though it's not for me and they just didn't respect it <laughs> and continue not to respect those types of games every year but I digress Dante would you say it's similar to um Ori the music yeah i think ori's a pretty fair comparison like i think ori's a little bit more on like the epic side of things than this this is more of a subdued melancholy um type of vibe which i think matches yeah but i i think that's a fair comparison like i think they did a very good job of tying the art to the music and the game would not have hit quite as hard either way if they weren't like you know as cohesive as they were, yeah. So Dante mentioned earlier that you run into a bird creature. Mm-hmm. I think it's not until maybe halfway through the game that you run into your first antagonist, or I guess like more tangible antagonist. I should say and you're referring to the eel. Yeah, the eel. Mm-hmm. Or actually, bird came yeah. before eel. Yeah. Because eel's not until water, right? Yeah. I thought you yeah. did the eel. Is, I thought it was the eel first, then the bird. Is, am I wrong? I can't remember now. You You run into the bird a couple times, so it goes bird, eel, bird. Eel, bird? bird. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But you you meet the eel, or I'm sorry, you meet the bird not too long after you get that like boost ability from the flowers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so I, I honestly don't even remember, like, making that note when I played it originally. It it came to me like while I was playing it in my second playthrough, like, oh, I forgot there was an actual antagonist in the game. Or actual like um somewhat bosses. Enemy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We could say enemy. Yeah, um, it's like not in the traditional way of like you would you're attacking it. You're just trying to get past it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which again ties into the Grief, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. motif that they have. Going. I was gonna, I was gonna ask, what do you guys think the bird was? Honestly, no idea. 
Like, I, I have. I, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say like my initial read at least was like, I know I wasn't on the pod when Celeste happened, but like the same way Celeste's shadow. I think she man doesn't she manifest in a couple different ways before she's actually in like her shadow form. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But essentially, like I got the impression that this was some other side of her. And now that I'm thinking about it, like it's ironic that the first enemy you have is an enemy with a voice. Yeah, I can so see that screeching at you. Is it so the the first time you deal with it, you are just going up and trying to get away with it. Is it the second time when it's screeching at you and you have to sing the lights on? To is that right? The first time you're kind of running away from it, but it's also um, you run away from it at some segments because it's like a vertical segment, but you're going left to right, then right to left, then left to right, and then occasionally like. It'll start calling at you, and if you don't go into block form, it'll just knock you over. And then other scenes, you're just running from it, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then I think in the mirror world or the parallel area, you run into it again. Yeah, it might happen yeah. before that, but I think that's I think that's the case because I think it is the last thing you you fight to, or deal with too. I think when you have your voice. So I'm curious if the eel and the I wonder if that's the same entity that can just manipulate itself into different forms or if you're supposed to take them as separate um, creatures. Because they're both consisting of like the same black, I guess, material or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like super jarring because you're in this beautiful setting. And like I said, there there is black used in the background and everything, but like this is this thing is just a hundred percent black and it's just like a mass and it's kind of like an inky thing and oftentimes they're trying to overtake you so i guess it's maybe representing like you know just you succumbing to your grief and i guess it also is worth knowing i don't remember how you come across the initially come across the bird but like i said with the um uh eel you don't run into the eel until you go super, super deep in the water and you're in the mm-hmm. darkest spot. So you're like kind of succumbing uh, to it and then it chases you up out of the water. And um, like, I, I, I'm assuming it's something similar happens with the bird because you're going up and away from it. So you're, you know, you're being ch- chased by it and not trying to get swallowed by it, I guess, or over overtaken by it. I think the bird more so just pushes you back. Like you can't move forward whereas the eel is actually like trying to eat you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like cuz like I know you can't take damage in the game but the eel actually like trips you up mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. whereas the the bird just you, you know you can't move forward. Um and then what's interesting is you actually end up using the bird to like catapult yourself forward in certain levels like i think that when you meet it the second time Mm -hmm. which is i guess like an analogy with learning to i don't know overcome yeah you know i don't want want it to sound too cliche but you know that's that's kind of what it seems like is like you're using this um this disadvantage to be your you know where you let your your haters be your motivators (laughs) but so 
I, I really liked the animation, like when you destroy both of those creatures. Like, cause with the bird, that's when you have to ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And like seeing, like every time you hit the bell or disrupt the bird, like you can see its its form kind of um like fall apart or disperse. Yeah. And same thing with the eel. Like that. That's probably my favorite moment in the game. Like. It, it almost like where the eel is chasing you and they make it seem so suspenseful like and it because it doesn't allow you to um to boost yourself like when you're swimming away from it anymore and they make it seem like just when the eel's about to swallow you the turtle comes bursting through and and the same thing happens with the eel's form it kind of dissipates and uh, gets disrupted and yeah that turtle Oh yeah, I forgot about the turtle. Did you have anything else that you wanted to call out? Good? That you enjoyed? Um I I feel like you're you're saying that cuz you're going to you're going to backtrack. I have one <laughs> call out no, some grievances. No, no, no. It's just it's not even it's not like grievances. I just have like one maybe two grieve grievances, I guess. Okay. Dante, you got anything else good you want to are we going to hit on story stuff later? Because I did have one more point. We can hit on story stuff later. I guess I guess we can hit on it now because my grievance has to do with story stuff. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's. Um, I guess we can talk about the story a little bit. So yeah, go ahead. Wants to... My thing is more about the ending. So gotcha. So go ahead, Trevor. Oh, so you want me to start from the beginning? I guess. Sure. I mean, just like a quick, like, uh, brief synopsis. So, I think the very beginning, um, maybe the character, Grease, um, you see her, and, and like I said, she's in, like, this this big statue, um, like, being held in the hands of the statue, and you start to see it crumble away, and she's falling, and that's basically the beginning of the game, and you run into the same or similar statue throughout every level which you make your way into the hands, and that's where you get your ability. Um, I think in some abilities, there's maybe one or two where you get them after you find the um, the collectible, like the little star. Um, but the other abilities, you get them once you reach the hands of the statue. Um, as far as the story, that's pretty much it. Um, there is an ending that you get once you find all of the collectibles and we can talk about that, but I think the statue is like meant to, to represent somebody that you've lost, um, as you see it, you know, crumbling away and then mm-hmm. like towards the end of the game, um, the statue kind of, you, you basically rebuild the statue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's showing you losing and then remembering, And and just to give a little context too, so you you're when you drop from that statue's hand, you're dropped into this black and white world, and then you're progressing forward, and then you like you come to a spot, and it's basically like, oh, like you need to somehow create a constellation path in order to get me forward, and then that's where the collectibles come in, where each world or each level has 
a specific number of collectibles, like say, for example, it has seven, but maybe you only need to collect three or four in order to build the constellation path to move forward. And so um, uh, your the collectibles are basically the things that you need to get in order to progress. Um, I'm guessing, Trevor, you found all of them or got all of them. Actually, I didn't. Um, okay. That's probably one of my only gripes about this game is how confusing some of the levels can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, because usually with games, you can kind of tell when something is... Like, if there's a fork in the road, you can kind of tell if one is optional and the other is story-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, or helps you progress through the story. Um, whereas this one, it's, it's kind of... Um, it, it's not as clear. And so, at some points... And I believe you can go back and... Um, uh, choose your chapter that you want to start back with, and you know, yeah. pick up some of those collectibles. But like, while you're if you're trying to collect all of them throughout the game, you most likely won't get it on your first playthrough because there's going to be times where you miss something or um, and you can't go back because you are kind of walled off uh, once you yeah. progress. Yeah, it's like I actually it was funny because I was listening to our Carrion episode today, and it's very much like that where the game is kind of pushing you to go forward. And unlike, uh, very similar to Carrion, there is a hub world, I guess you could say, where you're in this main area that branches off to all the, the, the sub-worlds that you have to go to. But once you complete a sub-world, you can't go back to it. The only way you can go back to it is through the char- uh, the level select screen or something like that. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding, you are playing the version of your... like. If you beat the game and then you went back and said, oh, I want to replay the first level, you'll replay the first level, but you won't have all the abilities that you got after that, too. Right. So you're That only, makes sense. Yeah, so you're yes. only playing with what you have would have had up to that point. Um, so, yeah, th- that, that was one of the things that I was reading about this game, too, was just that uh, it's set up like a Metroidvania, but it doesn't necessarily work that way. Because mm-hmm. you can't go back to levels yeah. with your new abilities or anything. Like, I kind of saw it as more linear. Like, once you get past red, yellow, like, all the regions are associated with the color, essentially. Like, that's kind of your hard out, so to speak. So, it always felt linear, even though there are some, like, branching paths, so to speak, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um... I don't know, like, I definitely didn't have the issue I did with Carry On where I was just getting, like, lost. Because at the end of the day, most of the places were trying to get you to get those constellations. So, like, okay, I have to do this left path to get constellation one. Then I have to do the right path to get constellation two. Then I go back to the center, and then I can actually progress. Mm -hmm. I got, I won't say stuck, but I got lost in between the third and fourth level because I was getting somewhere and trying to access something that I couldn't tell I couldn't I wasn't supposed to access and I just I mean I eventually figured out where I was actually supposed to go but I was just kind of like I'm pretty sure I can go here and the game isn't letting me why is it not letting me and um but yeah like it's it's not like carry on and like the game does a really good job of making you go forward and i think also 
kind of, I don't know, like we've mentioned it four times, five times, but kind of tying back into the theme of grief, like it doesn't make any sense for them to have let you go back to repeat, like replay levels from the hub world. Yeah. Because I don't think that would tie into the theme of overcoming and like the, the, the stages of grief. If you could just be like, well, going back to denial, you know, like that <laughs> doesn't make any sense. It also inevitably would have broken the game the way it's designed. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but what did you want to say about the ending, um, Dante? Well, just kind of going back to um, what I was talking about with the bird being her and the eel potentially being her, like, one of the last things in this game is once you get back to that statue of, I guess, yourself or whatever, it gets enveloped in that same black, um, you know, substance that the bird and the eel are made of. So that was just kind of like cementing in my mind that, you know, you've really been fighting yourself this entire time. That checks out too, just based off of, you know, everything we had been saying. So, yeah. Yeah. And from what I read about the game, you know, the developers did want to leave it open to interpretation. So, but there is like a final scene. Um, like once, like I said, once you get all the collectibles and, um, see because i haven't actually watched it i guess while you're looking that up like i'll say i didn't get the achievements or whatever that explicitly said like anger depression all that stuff so i didn't know it was like one-to-one this is what's happening like i knew from the very beginning like that first scene where she's falling and stuff i was like okay this is a game about depression but um my assumption was the entire game was about a um essentially lady that lost her voice and kind of succumbed to depression because of that. And she was kind of um, fighting that and coping with it, also trying to move on after all of that. So, Yeah, I kind of was the same thing where I was thinking she was coping with depression and like just or even just rejection where like she was in the palm of seemingly somebody that she loved or something you know that statue and then she crumbled away and then she's super sad about it so I I was thinking like maybe this was honestly I think I was thinking it was like a relationship thing like she had like uh some type of dependence on this this person and she was getting rejected and just trying to become okay with being alone and being by herself was like my initial read on this game so I'm watching it now and like I see the the parallels with like some of the symbolism throughout the game. Um, like the statue. Well, I guess you'd have to watch it. It's you know, mm-hmm. so I I'm just not explaining it scene for scene, but um it's it doesn't give you much more about the story than what you've played through. It just mm-hmm. kind of shows like, you know, the statue is most likely an actual person. Maybe a mother figure or somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the outstretched hand is holding, like, one of the the stars from the constellation and gives it to Greece, and, and which is kind of the same as her getting the abilities throughout the game. Um, like, whenever you reach the palm of the hand in the statues. But I think it's, you know, it still leaves it open to interpretation. So we can talk about the other stuff now? What you got? I just... I think the game is good. I enjoyed playing it. 
But I just don't think this game was successful at, I don't know, like, I, I would not have known about the, the, the depression and grief stuff unless I read into it, honestly. And I don't know if that's me being dense, so I was wondering if you guys were, like, picking that stuff up also, because, like, it's kind of cool to be, like, on the back end, be like, I read all this stuff or whatever, and I, I figure out this stuff, but I just felt like compared to some of the other games that me and you have played, Trevor, like What Remains of Edith Finch, and I would even say, like, Papa Yo, and um, I just feel like those games were, Celeste, they were just better at discussing and talking about the subject matter, I felt like, than this game was. And, and that's why I said earlier I was on the fence about how subtle they make it by only... Mentioning Mentioning the stages of grief in the the, hidden uh, achievements. achievements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the stages of grief is like, I'll say up to interpretation because it's obviously in the um, achievements. But I really didn't think the game was that subtle at all, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I was going to say, whenever I see something in a game like that refers to either falling or a lot of darkness, um, I mean, you can look at games like um, Sea of Solitude. Um, whenever I see whenever like I that see much life. darkness, I immediately think, yeah, this game is probably focusing on depression or some type of uh, subject matter yeah. along those lines. Just the fact that it was named Grease, which is gray, which is like this middle ground between light and darkness. I kind of like, I went in kind of like knowing I'm going to be looking for this stuff and for me at least like I very vividly remember that opening sequence where like they have her um, the actual I guess quote unquote human version of the character and she has her hands crossed across her throat I'd like to say and it was very telling to me like the fact that they actually used her hands there and then like they immediately go to these stick limbs for her for the rest of the game until the very end and the fact that I don't know like I picked up on that super quick where they like had the human version of her and then it was also a very subtle thing because it was only for like a couple of frames for that one scene but the fact that okay I'm the human version but then they immediately switch over to this characterized version which if you didn't see the hands like Maybe you wouldn't have gotten that, you know, this is her fighting a, I guess, figurative or spiritual battle. But between that, the name, like, the falling, as many things as they have pushing against you as you try to move forward in, like, a very, like, explicit way where she's actually, like, struggling just to take steps. I don't know, like, I would have been a little upset if they were more explicit about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying they had to like spell it out, but I would have thought over like throughout the course of the game, like maybe like every time you reach the hands of a statue and you get an ability or something like that, it may show like a glimpse of um like even like something like that secret ending. Um something kind of abstract like that where it's not like telling you what happened, but it's showing maybe like something in the past that led up to this point yeah i i i um i'm dense and 
I just wish there was something beside like I wish I could have saw the ending or whatever without having to have collected everything. So like I think that's cool because they still leave it open to interpretation. So I just wish there was like another one of those like where it's just like okay you didn't collect everything so you don't get to see this. Maybe though when you beat it you get to see this or something. Um, How did you interpret what we got? Because I didn't collect everything. Oh well, like like I said when I I just was like oh like I told you I thought she was in a relationship with this person so I thought it was like a her and another girl were in a relationship and she got rejected. I thought that the falling and everything, like I got the, uh, depression, I guess I could, I could say like, I I guess I read it as depression and not grief. But, um, other than that, like, I feel like the game kind of played the same, um, no matter whether I was reading it as depression or grief. Um, and I just, I don't know, like... I, I think that's fine, because, like, I, I was kind of in the same boat where, like, I thought it was more of a depression thing versus, like, the five stages of grief directly dealing with death. I thought, you know, she had been depressed, she hit this, you know, lowest low in the water area, she kind of rose out of it, she kind of sees herself, like... She sees the darkness in herself, and that's that last scene of her, like, goddess statue being infected by that darkness mm-hmm. stuff. But mm-hmm. it um, embraces her and kind of surrounds her, and I thought that was similar to Celeste, like, her accepting that darkness in her. Which, I mean, it goes hand in hand with the five stages of grief, yeah. in a sense, yeah. where, you know, like, okay, I accept this after... After fighting it for so long, I realize it is part of me. It's something I can't escape. Therefore, you know, I just have to make peace with it in my own way. Yeah. And, and like, I get it. Like, it was still depicted. I just... The thing I liked about Celeste was that you could play the game. And then they had the cutscenes to kind of go hand in hand with, I guess. Or, or to, 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 to lay out the story. Mm-hmm. And I just... And- I don't know, like, I just... Celeste leaves a lot less to, like, interpretation. And I don't dislike the leaving things up to interpretation, but, like, I don't like the... I don't know, like... I don't know. I don't know why it it bothers me. How how did you feel about her story? Because that was kind of... When I think of her story in this game... The way they handled the ending is kind of so somewhat similar. The, the thing with her story is, is I could get in as much as I wanted to out of that. So like I could put the pieces together of the story, and I could keep searching for key terms until I was okay with how the thing ended. And I felt like in this game, I don't get that. Like I complete the game, and then it's just like, okay, well, what do you think about it? And it's just like, well, I wanted more. I wish they told me more, and. It sounds like the only way you get that is to get all the collectibles, which is fine. But the thing is, is they still leave it open to interpretation. Yeah, which I, was I don't say, the think is thing... wrong or bad, but it's just like, damn, like, what is the pull then? Because if we're at the same point now, it's like, I don't know. Like, I'm a definitely a collectible person, but I just like I don't have any desire to like collect these things if I'm still going to be in the same spot as like question in like what what's going on. 
it just doesn't it's not appealing to me i don't know and the only it, thing they really reveal in the secret ending is kind of the fact that i think greece is younger yeah it's yeah. like a little girl and yeah. then of course the the woman in the statue is older yeah. So you might think it's it's maybe her mother or something like when she was younger. So so, so what I, what I have up from the wiki is it says if all mementos are collected, her childhood is revealed in a secret room. It is nighttime. A child greases in the meadows with an older woman who we learn the statue really is. The older woman ah the older woman encloses a firefly between her hands and releases it to fly around child grease. Then under the bright moon, child grease and the older woman embrace, and that's it. And I was just like, so go ahead. No, you finish. And I was just gonna say, like, to me, that reads as like she maybe she lost her um, mother, mm-hmm. or you know, or maybe 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 it's her innocence too, because we're saying this is like she's a child in this thing, so maybe it's just like things won't go back to the way they were, or you know, there's like a lot of different reads on it, and so yeah, I was gonna say like, I. Sorry, I accidentally muted myself halfway through my thought. Um, so, I feel a little pretentious bringing this up because one, like, I honestly don't read that many books, but like, I feel like, have you ever read a short story or something a second time after you finished it the first time? Because I kind of feel like this is the same thing where like you say you can't get anything else, but like. If you revisited the source material with a open set of eyes and were able to recontextualize some of the stuff, that you would potentially be able to kind of come up with your own interpretation or a more clear interpretation for yourself. I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, that that would probably be the case. But I know, you, like, there's not explicit incentive to do that. Like in the same way, like. I can't even think of a good short story to um, analyze this to or compare it to. But, like, I've definitely had a lot of cases in the past, like in high school and college, where, like, first time I read something, I thought it was completely meaningless. And, you know, inevitably there's some type of twist or some type of revelation near the end. And then it completely recontextualizes a lot of the, you know, prior events, I suppose. Okay. Can I list my second grievance? There's more. Go ahead. There's more. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't Go ahead. think I would play this game again. You're not going to say this game has bad puzzles because the puzzles in this game are pretty decent. No, I'm not going to say that. All right, you can say whatever you want then. I played it and like, I don't know. Like I, the story didn't do enough for me to want me to draw back into it and try to get a different reading on it. I guess. Like, I was just thinking of, like, when we played What Remains of Edith Finch, which I think also tackles, like, something that's, like, as heavy, like, that game hit me in a way, and I was like, I think I would play, like, I'll play this game, like, literally once a year, like, just to kind of be back in this environment, Um, it was fun to play, and kind of sit with what is going on and I just didn't feel that with this game and I feel like that was the only like I think the game looks good I think it plays well but like like 
the thing that the game is supposed to be doing well just doesn't connect with me in a way that would make me want to play it again. And I think it's a little bit silly for me to say that because I, I do agree with you on the short story thing. But I, I like as of right now, like I probably will play this game again at some point, but I just don't know when. Like I'm not in a rush to play it again. And I'll probably have the same issue if I don't play this before I forget what goes on because otherwise I'm going to have like the, oh yeah, like I, I, I remember like not liking this thing that much or not connecting with it. And it, it's not going to help with it if I, you know, play this game three years from now because I'm definitely not going to really remember much about it besides the fact that I think it looks good and the music sounds good. I think that's the issue that I've been having with this game is that, is that... I don't think it does a, to me... I don't think it's as effective at talking about the stuff that I that I thought it was going to in comparison to some of the other games that we played. Like I get the open-endedness of it. I really dug that about Gora Gora, but it just for whatever reason with this game it doesn't sit well with me and I don't know why. No, I mean, I get that. I have no real intention of you know returning to it. Yeah. That being said, like I'm I was satisfied with how things concluded and, like, how, I guess, my key takeaway of what it was trying to say. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, because, yeah, I I can totally see, like, I wouldn't call this a replayable game in the same way, like, I don't know. Some of these, like, art games in general, like, I don't tend to replay, like, Journey and I guess I did replay Limbo a couple times, but... Typically, like, I have the one-and-done approach with them and just kind of let that be my quote-unquote experience Mm -hmm. with them. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of, like, how I personally like to interact with them. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, not the case for me. Is like, usually with these games, it's like, either there's a moment, like, I I don't think I replayed Journey fully, but I remember, I think I played up until you get in that cave uh, with that animal or creature so I think I had replayed it up to that point um, and I, I mean obviously I, I, I played Limbo a couple of times um, I've played Celeste a couple of times and um, like I said I, I, I do intend to play uh, What Remains of Edith Finch again this year but like I don't know like I just didn't I guess I didn't feel the closure that I wanted to feel with this game. I guess maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know. And I felt silly because you guys were, like, talking about all the things that, like, oh, yeah, well, the game is called Grey, and, and oh, Falling represents this and this, and it's just, like, I had d- didn't catch any of that stuff. And it makes sense when you said it, but until, like, somebody pointed it out, didn't catch it. And I don't know, like... I think maybe it's because it's that that topic doesn't like I don't say it doesn't apply to you but like from what I know of you it's not like a key thing that you really like you know that specific emotion I guess depression and like anxiety sure I mean but like like I I understood it and and got with it in Celeste you know like Mm -hmm. I really like the breathing mini game that they had where you had to keep that feather you know and and i really enjoyed like how they talked about things and addressed things and i guess maybe they don't want to beat you over the head in this game is the only thing i can think of 
but like to me it's it's kind of like i don't know like i think at the same time you have to remember like the person who came up with the idea for this game is an artist yeah 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 i would say almost just i don't know for me i see more raw like depression emotion in this game than i do in like a celeste like for the metaphors that happen in Celeste that deal with it, I feel like more is just derived directly from the text of her, like Celeste, or sorry, Madeline, um, explicitly saying like, oh, I can't do this, or I yeah, I feel it, yeah. versus like the actual mountain and like that being the metaphor yeah, that it is. It's a lot more visual representation of stuff in, in this game, and I think maybe that is where I, a little bit of I, I'm failing at anyways and I was going to say too uh what do you what about Sayonara too because I feel like Sayonara also has some of the depression and 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 whatnot but I, I think it's it it probably does but Sayonara is so upbeat like it is a story about like literally Queen Latifah tells you it's a story about heartbreak in like the first yeah, yeah. 5 seconds yeah, or yeah. whatever but yeah. that game is so I don't know it's almost like if you gave somebody with depression a baseball bat and said, hey, let's mess up all of this depression right now, that's kind of what Sayonara Wild Hearts is, where it's just very flamboyant and just like hot neons and just empowerment type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And truth be told, that game I didn't really like... A lot of the interpretation that I got didn't come until the second playthrough of that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's why we have this podcast, so we can can play it and discuss it yeah yeah like i said i don't think this is a bad game or anything it just didn't connect with me the way i wanted it to given the subject matter and just like our record of playing games that cover like certain subject matters i felt like this game it didn't do as much for me as some of the other games that we did we played did well you want to know something that's fair I got a bunch of games like this. Oh, I know. I know. I like honestly, I was like 30 minutes in this game and I was like, he got us again. Like <laughs> you know how you said like you could tell within 10 minutes. I was 30 minutes, maybe even 45 minutes into this game. I was like, I do not want to play this game. And I will admit that I my enjoyment of this game peaked up when we got when I got the ability and like I was like, okay, like these puzzles and like this thing, but I was like I'm literally running around. I can't. Can I jump? No, I can't. Okay, like I don't want to play this. <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes you know you just you're just attached to the earth in a way that you just can't move. I mean, you know, sure, it's just sure. Like, you, but you put that emotional blanket that's super weighted over yourself, and you're just like, man, I'm just dragging my feet. Yeah. Just left, right, left, right, like I'm a block. Yeah. It, it did. It did pick up. Like, like I said, the game always looked good, but I just was kind of like, I don't want to play this because it's not, it's not doing anything for me. And like I said, once you got to that first world with the the red and you got the heavy ability, then I was like, okay, like this is, it's picking up. But this was definitely one of those games where if you would have asked me within the first thirty minutes to an hour, I'd have been like, ah, I'm good. Yeah, um, I guess what I'll say as far as, like, my enjoyment is 
I definitely would not have enjoyed this game as much as I did if the puzzles were weak in the same way that I saw a couple other games that we played where the puzzles were just kind of like there for the sake of being an obstacle rather than actually trying to engage the player. Papa, yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. Siblings? Mm. <laughs> huh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that, that, those were my only two things. Um, Did we uh, play Max the Curse of Brotherhood? No, we didn't. Uh, what game are you talking <laughs> <laughs> Heard that guy has a new game out that's pretty good. Um, you guys got any anything else? Um, there is a Grease uh, skin in uh, Fall Guys. What? Do you still play Fall Guys? I haven't played it since like season two. The very beginning of season two, I think. What is season are they on now? Holy crap, there is. Wow. I hate that. I hate that. I thought he was going to say Fortnite and I was going to eat... I don't know if I would be madder. Yeah, I'd be madder if yeah, it was in Fortnite. But what about Apex? I think it's more so just because it was published by Devolver. Sure, sure. Well, you know Epic just got... Um... Did Epic get Devolver or did they just get Fall Guys? Do you know? No idea. Mediatonic. Dang, okay, so that's four, the Trevor. developer, I guess. Yeah, I missed all of season three. Um, you got? Do you guys have anything else? I think that's it for me. Um, I'm glad I was able to get you guys to play this game because, um, like I said, I've got a bunch of these. Um, We're well aware <laughs> that that I'm not able to get on the uh, <laughs> the normal episodes. So uh, slowly but surely. Hmm. You never get me because I've at least heard of all the games and like typically speaking like there there's a couple like that Rava game that I never heard about or whatever but for the most part I at least recognize the names of what's on your list so you never truly catch me off guard He doesn't catch me <laughs> off guard I mean like I, I look up all the games and everything and like like I I think he's trying to make Child of Light his new Azura's Wrath, but I don't know if it's going to happen, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's been on his list like four times, and I'm just listen, like, I'm not voting for it. So <laughs> Listen, if we if we truly want to try to like touch on most genres um, of video games, we're not going to find too many RPGs that are less than 16 hours. First of all, if you want to play an RPG, all you got to do is ask. We can just play Costume Quest. There you go. We can play cross second of all, one and two. I put Super Mario RPG on a list and it didn't get voted for it. I'm super I voted for salty it. about that. I voted for it. I voted okay, it got one vote. That was so. Don't tell me <laughs> if you want to play an RPG. <laughs> there's been plenty on the list. <laughs> um, all right, Trevor. Let's let's first. Great game, great experience. It's a great game, great experience. Dante, great game, great experience. I'd say so. Marcus, great game, great experience. Uh, it's a good game. It's a good game. I had a, uh, okay experience. I mean, I, I think I think it sounded like you liked more I, things than you disliked. Yeah, yeah. I really, really, really liked the art. You know, the way the game looked. I, I did enjoy the music. Um, gameplay was pretty good. I think I just. 
like I said, I think it fell short for me on just like the experience. I guess I don't know the the, the story. So I hit a hit on it, it. It controlled well. So it's, yeah, it, it, there's one thing I didn't like about the game. I guess I would say, or that didn't land with me. I think I would recommend the game, but I you know like it wouldn't be like oh if I, I want to play a game about depression. I don't know if this would be the first one that I would recommend, but I de- definitely would recommend it because I think it is a good game and it's a game that people could play. Like, in comparison to like Celeste, I feel like Celeste is a much more difficult game and doesn't necessarily cover things in the same way that this game does. Hmm. Trevor, you getting the art book for this game? Is there an art book for this game? Yeah, you you should check it out on Amazon real quick to um, see if you can. Afford it. Afford it? Oh, God. You oh, <laughs> said Amazon? Yeah, I just typed in Grease Art Book, and that was the first result. $300. Granted, it, I think it started retail at $50. It just happened to sell out, like, did it, everything. Did it have, like, a limited run or something? It looks like it. It looks like the, the art yeah. book was 60 on some website. So this is probably somebody uh, reselling. Damn resellers. <laughs> First shoes now, art books. Basically, it's ruining everything. Are everything shoes? Is the question. Dang, even on eBay, looking at four hundred dollars. Hey man, <laughs> oh you want to buy from Amazon? That's fine. They only have one. What you gonna do when they don't? <laughs> I know you guys don't have this advantage, but my eBay has a little banner up top saying, "Hi, your one cent in bucks are expiring in twenty-one days." So I get a Two hundred ninety nine ninety eight. If I put it in my cart right now. <laughs> well, I think we can we can wrap this episode up. Um, we did do our um, next batch of games, um, so I guess I can announce those here. So we are finishing up the last batch this month in April with Gravity Rush, which is Trevor's game, and then the next batches of games afterwards is. In May, we're going to be playing No More Heroes. In June, we'll be playing Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. In July, we'll be playing Hyperlight Drifter and Raji and Ancient Story. Is Ancient Story Ancient, Ancient Epic. Epic? Ancient Epic. And then in August, we're playing Beautiful Joe. I'm so hype. That game has literally been on my list since we started this thing. I already started trying to bid on it in eBay. I'm not successful yet, but I'm going to see if I can get a copy for under 25. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, do you guys have anything left to say about Greece? Anything? Okay. Where can people find you at, Trevor? You can find me on the internet at Lyric Unsung. Streaming? <laughs> um, I may try to stream uh, Gravity Rush. It'll be my first time playing it, so it's on PS4, so that'll be an easy thing to stream. I started that this weekend. I'm glad I didn't say anything yet, because I assumed you'd already played it. Nope. Okay. Uh, What about you, Dante? Where can people find you at? People can find me at twitch.tv slash awakencloud. I will, um, if anybody's watching this live, I'll be streaming Life is Strange episode, Life is Strange 2 episode 4 tonight at 10 central time okay. and other than that I just play a couple other games on there um and 
You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Potato Salad. If you like tuning in to Mr. Points to find about ah, to find out about hidden gems, cult classics, and indie games, and share us with your friends, family, and the not shitty subreddit communities you're in, comment on our Facebook page, add us on Twitter, leave us a review, preferably five stars on Apple Podcasts, so we can appear higher on the leisure category. Uh, we enjoy doing this, even when we play Trevor Ask Trevor games. You know, so you just have to hit him with the, a Marcus Ask Marcus game, which whatever that is, some Into the Breach uh, FTL style game, I guess. Can't wait. And counter it out with a Dante game. You said what? Counter it out with a Dante game here. I there. mean, as long as it's not a Advance Wars type game. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in that same group. Yeah, that's in that same group. <laughs> Mega Man Battle Network, FTL, Into the Breach. You gotta be careful. <laughs> this man tried to get the same type of game on two back to back. That wasn't me, it was Greg. No, that was you with um, Mega Man and the other game that I'm not going to mention because it'll probably win at some it, point. Yeah, I didn't put that on the list. Body. Greg did. Yeah, I didn't put that on. You're right. Yeah. Oh. Greg, Greg did. What is that? Greg man? did my dirty work for me. <laughs> I've converted him. Because <laughs> I, hey, best believe it was on my list. And when he put his up, then I was like, okay, somebody's doing my work for me. Okay. Yeah, I was happy with Ugh. that. He didn't win, but you know, maybe next time. But um yeah, uh, uh yeah uh, we're missed checkpoints and we're out. Peace. We're out.